Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Dave Berry, and I am fascinated by my next-door neighbor. His name is Neil Srinivasan, and he's a leading cardiologist. Since I moved to this particular part of London, Neil and I have started to become friends. Our polite greetings over the fence turned into garden barbecues and drinks down the local pub. But with unfettered access to someone with a job that is so far removed from my own, I'm desperate to find out more about his industry, one that is quite literally a matter of life and death. In The Doctor Next Door, my brand new podcast, I'll be doing my utmost to learn all about Neil as a medical professional, but also Neil as a person. Because, believe it or not, even doctors have lives outside of the operating theatre. But this podcast isn't just here to feed my own curiosities. I want you to be involved in these conversations too. So whether you live next door to a doctor, are a doctor, or want to use my access to a doctor to your own advantage... Send your questions, thoughts, and stories to doctor at nextdoorpod.com right now. Ah, that must be the doctor next door. Hello, David. Hello, Neil. How are you? It's our weekly meet. I bring tea and biscuits this time. Oh, thank, thank you for you. having us. Thank you very much indeed for bringing those over. How are you? I'm very good. It's been a tough week, but um, found time to spend some Nice cup of tea with you and some biscuits. Well, that's that's lovely. lovely. That Manly lovely. bonding session. Um, have you managed to pick up any trinkets from the street this week? For those of you who may not be aware, there are certain um, enclaves of the UK where people feel comfortable in legalising fly tipping, and we happen to live in one of them. Uh, so effectively, what you do, whilst fly tipping is abhorrent and it's against the law, if you put any old tat outside your house, and this applies on our street, but you put a little note on it saying, please take, then uh, effectively what you're doing is you're giving someone an opportunity to upcycle instead of just putting your old tat out on the road for me to have to avoid when I stumble out at five o'clock in the morning to go to my radio show. But we've spoken about this in the past. We have two very different opinions on this. In fact, Neil sent me a link to the uh, council app where you can take pictures of things and they come and remove it. And I replied celebrating the fact the council had finally come up with this. But then I realised that Neil had put it in a kind of, why are they trying to ruin our fun? <laughs> exactly, David. <laughs> Which special things have you picked up then over the well, years to be such a fan of this? I have to say the new year is prime season for this kind of thing. <laughs> this is my prime moment. I'm like the foxes now. I'm going to stalk this street for new tat. <laughs> <laughs> and now is the prime moment, particularly with, you know, people getting Christmas gifts and then throwing out old stuff. We found some great stuff for our son, actually, over the years. Um, most of his bikes and his little cars and toy trucks have come from the street. 
some books, some fantastic books actually, yeah. which he's um, read endlessly yeah. over night time. You're right. And, uh, and some other great pieces of plastic, which um, now litter my house, yeah, which he chooses and wants. I know you're right. And it's different with the kids. It's, I suppose it's a bit like when you used to do a little layout of blanket and with your old toys, you could sell your old toys or give them away. And, it's, and so when it comes to, we got, a, we got in fairness, we've got a really nice set of children's books. Mm-hmm. got the, the whole set of David Walliams books, which someone had wow. read and put out on the, their wall. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking about the fact that there was like a, king size pine bedhead out there the other day and in some badly scrawled crayon someone had written please take on it and it's leaned up against my front wall well i was about to say <laughs> what do you think is the most extreme thing you've got put out there i saw that i saw a wardrobe outside your house the other day That's right. and a full wardrobe yeah and both of these things have been taken so someone clearly wants them they've clearly come into someone's um, good service yeah but you're right i suppose it, does, it is a nice thing to you know we we're so disposable as a society aren't we was always throwing things away so i suppose it's nice listen neil let's get down to business shall we it's january it's freezing we're not all as brave as you to stalk the streets at night looking for old tat in just a t-shirt some of us are freezing over here so my first question to you as a medical professional is how long do i have to be in the cold and how cold does it have to be before frostbite sets in Well, frostbite can happen to anybody. There are certain people who are more prone to it, and it's basically because your extremities, particularly the ones that are exposed, your hands and your feet and your toes, they get really cold if if they're exposed to sub-zero temperatures. If you expose your skin to sub-zero temperatures, um, within about 30 minutes you'll get frostbite. And if you are going to below 15 degrees centigrade, let's say, you'll get frostbite within 15 minutes. Um, an interesting story, I don't know if you've ever read or heard about Ranulph Fiennes, he's one of the famous explorers. Yeah, well, of course. And yeah. uh, he was doing a, a, an, an incredible uh, you know, polar exploration and he dropped his kit in the water. And without thinking, because it's reflex, he put his hand in the ice-cold water to grab his kit and save his sort of tour. But as soon as he put his hand in that ice-cold water and came out, he got frostbite. He had to have loads of infusions and things to sort of try and save the skin. And then uh, one day, a bit like us with our gardening and our attempted DIY, he got so fed up in his garden, he got his Black & Decker tool and then just shaved off his fingers because the bones were exposed. Wow. I didn't see that coming. No. But if if frostbite is extreme enough then you will need you know, either amputation or sewing of the skin to, to allow things to heal because heal, the bone can be completely exposed. And it was catching on things by the sounds of things from his book. Oh, I thought you were going to say that he put it in, he kind of, he froze all over like the bad guy in Terminator 2 and then he was able to, to be smashed to smithereens. But, but don't worry, David, I think even with UK temperatures and your lovely warm coat and the lovely warm taxi that <laughs> yeah, takes you to I'll work every morning, you'll be fine. <laughs> I'm pampered, yes. not like an Arctic explorer. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Um, so, Neil, listen, last time... You gave me some medical training yeah. and I scored a lowly one out of three. And even I must admit upon reflection that that was questionable. You were feeling very generous because it was episode one. Uh, so I know you've got three more questions for me here. Um, would you like to begin with question one, please? I hope you're playing along as always where you are right now. So David, last time you did really poorly. I hope you do a bit better this time. Your Sorry. first question is, what does the anacronym B-M-I stand for. Okay. So write that down, I think. Yeah, I'm making a note of this. Okay. Now, remember I said in medical school you get multiple choice, so I'm trying to make it more realistic for you now. Uh, when would you most likely suffer from a condition 
called a hypnic jerk. It's a hypnic jerk. Is it during sleep, whilst running, or during hypnotherapy? Okay, that's a shame because I thought it was a dance move, but this isn't going well. And then the last one is, where in the body would you find the jugular vein? Okay, I must admit, three fantastic questions and I'm feeling quietly confident this week. I'm going to have a little think whilst we have a break and we'll reveal the answers soon. I hope you've scribbled down your answers at home. And then we're going to find out what really happens when I hypnic jerk myself out of the kitchen. <laughs> but first, here's another podcast from the producers of Doctor Next Door that we think you're going to love. Ever yearned for the perfect pub to reveal itself from some unexpected alley? Well, The Moon Underwater is the podcast for you. Join me, John Robbins, and the lovely Robin Allender Hi. as we help a special guest create their dream pub. From the drinks behind the bar to the music on the jukebox, The Moon Underwater is whatever you want it to be. So, if you would like to join us in Desire's beating heart, search The Moon Underwater. Or maybe The Moon Underwater will search for you. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Doctor Next Door. Before the break, Doctor Neil asked me three questions about the medical profession, and now it is time to reveal the answers. So we're all waiting with bated breath to see if we got any of them right. Neil, would you like to furnish us once again with the first question, please? So the first question was, what does the an acronym BMI stand for? So my first question is, what's an acronym? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, Body mass index. Very good, David. Yeah. Fantastic. And how apt for this time of year. So body mass <laughs> yeah, index. More on that later. Yeah. It, um, it, it's, a, it's a measure of the body based on, you know, your height and weight. And that under, so it gives us an idea of your, your, how large you are and how obese you are compared to what you should be on a sort of set scale. My dad tells me a, a story that a work colleague of his went to the doctor and the doctor said to him, you are the perfect weight for your height. 
And he went, oh, really? He said, yeah, unfortunately, you're not six foot five. (laughs) 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 Um, So that's when I first became aware of the BMI. Um, Obviously, I'm aware there's a sweet spot for BMI, but how far either side of it can you go? How does it work? So... As I said, it's based on your height and your weight, and it's a calculator of your metabolic risk and whether you're overweight for your size as a body. Um, A a healthy BMI would be somewhere between 18.5 to 25, basically. Um, And that's kind of a healthy size in terms of BMI calculation. If you're overweight, you'd be 25 to 30. And if you're over 30, then you're classed as obese. Okay, what was the, so that's got, I've got one point there, haven't I? Yes, yeah, it's very yeah. good. You've done really well. What was, the, what was the second so, question? So the next question was, when are you most likely to suffer from a condition called a hypnic jerk? Is it A, during sleep, B, during running, or C, during hypnotherapy? Well, I immediately discounted hypnotherapy. I haven't been for a run in a long while, not going to lie. And I just got this sense that, is it, is it the thing that wakes me up in the middle of the night? Is it when I'm dreaming and suddenly I'm about to fly and then all of a sudden things get ruined by me waking up and realising that my alarm's going to go off in 10 minutes and it's the worst possible outcome? When I, is it that? Absolutely, David. I mean, yes, you remind yes. me of me doing medical school exams and using <laughs> that kind of deduction logic to get my one in 25. Um, yeah, hypnic jerk is a sort of common and normal phenomenon uh, of jerking while slightly awake, actually, normally. It's usually that sort of feeling, as you said, of falling or jumping out of the bed. Just as you're about to drift off from sleep, you kind of jerk awake. And that's sort of a, a normal brain reflex that sort of makes you suddenly startle as you're about to sleep. Dogs get it a lot, don't they? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right, so I could be on for three out of three here. Could be, yeah. So the last question was, where in the body would you find the jugular vein? It's in the neck. Absolutely, David. You are flying. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, he's the star of medical school this week. He's been working hard on his homework. So I managed to get three out of three. Amazing. Thank you very much indeed, Doctor. I hope you did as well as I did out there. Don't worry, there's still plenty of episodes of Doctor Next Door to come where I'm going to fail miserably. Now, in each episode of the podcast, I'm going to come to Dr. Neil with a burning medical question. From the outrageous to the mundane, we're going to get to the bottom of some of the many myths in medicine. And at this time of year, I felt it only fitting to talk about health because New Year's resolutions such as dry January and new gym memberships, etc., they're on the tip of everybody's tongue. And so my question to you is, how healthy can one get in one calendar month? Well, that's a really good question because you can make a significant difference both to your health and to your life in a very short period of time. Changing your lifestyle, particularly your diet, can really alter your metabolic profile within a matter of weeks. The challenge, as you've rightly said, is how do you stick to that? How do you make that long-term commitment? Well, it's impossible. Everyone knows that, right? It's impossible to stop drinking forever, surely. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I think the key is that we shouldn't shun away from the idea of doing, you know, new me in January and going through these ideas of I will go down a diet or I will try and, you know, cut alcohol. The key is to try and do something because something is better than nothing to helping your health and then working out a way of sticking with it or sticking with it 
within limits that works for you as a person rather than saying I want to try this diet and now I feel I've failed and now I'm just going to give up or I want to try something it's about working out what works for you in moderation yeah and of course we're talking about I suppose an average Joe there are people who have um, unfortunately sadly deeper issues when it comes to alcohol for example mm-hmm. and, 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 and the set of problems that that can bring but but for your average person making those small changes, which I've found it really difficult to do, to be honest, and I know that I drink too much. <laughs> you know that I drink too much, but I have I have genuinely struggled to, to make those changes and I've never achieved a dry January. Have you ever achieved a dry January? I've never achieved a dry right, January. Right, okay. I've never even tried, but I have tried to cut down. And I think that's some, so that it's, it's, as we talked about before, it's about what each individual person feels is achievable, right? And for me, I think, you know, a complete dry January, maybe not for me, but cutting down and doing a bit less or, you know, being a bit less indulgent, that's feasible. And that's probably good for my body. I just have this theory that the greatest beer of the year is the one you have on January the 1st. And that's what's always scuppered me doing dry January. So when I have tried to do it in the past, I've always picked Feb. Okay. Um, it's a shorter month. <laughs> so I think dry February is not a bad idea. Well, it's a shorter yeah, month yeah. and much easier to achieve. Yeah. I used to have a, a friend and colleague who used to do that exact thing. Okay. And, it, and it, I think it helped. Yeah. He, he was slightly, let's say, higher on the BMI scale, as we talked about before, mm-hmm. maybe obese. And it really made a big difference. Cutting down his alcohol meant he had less calories in a month. And he had a big you know, difference in terms of his size by the end of the month. I think uh, we, we talked about it not so long ago when we met about how humans are probably not designed to be having the access to endless supermarkets and food constantly that we are exposed to now. We're kind of fast and famine species. And so to have these periods of withdrawal from luxury or whatever it is or indulgence is probably a good thing for the body. Oh, well, when we had that conversation... Um, <laughs> No, no joke here, in a pub. Um, <laughs> um, we were talking about most religions involve some period of fasting, which, which I found interesting. And, and the way we got onto it was because I, I was kind of making a joke about the fact that the hunter-gatherer is dead, where I, I was complaining that I had to unpack the little trolley that the guy brought to my front door with our weekly shop in it. And I was going, this is just no good for my lower back. Exactly. And it's like there's some ancient ancestor of mine, some caveman going, Dave, you really disappoint me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, so yeah, we, we see that, that, that fasting is involved in, in, in most religions in, in one way or another. And you think that, that actually that is good, you know, not f- for the body to, to feel hungry. Yeah. Is, that, is that what it was? The, what's the science behind it? I, th- I think for, for years as an evolutionary species, we have been exposed to periods of less food, of famine and those kind of things. And lots of religions have evolved around those aspects. Um, in the same way, our genetic makeup has probably been exposed, been designed really to have periods where there was less food. If you look at, for example, the health of wartime people, for example, where they're unfortunately exposed to rationing and lower calories, their metabolic profiles, the amount of diabetes, etc., is far less. It's much better, healthier, and the exposure to lots of food, particularly carbohydrates and sugar, builds a really bad global metabolic profile for people which is bad for your health long term bad for your heart bad for your brain bad for the rest of your body what it does is it means that your blood sugars are constantly higher than they should be um, because you're taking lots of sugary food or because you're taking carbohydrates which turn into sugar you also 
your body makes this hormone called insulin. Insulin takes your blood sugar lower. But as you keep being exposed to loads of this sugar and food and carbohydrate, your blood sugars, you know, go past what insulin can do. Your body becomes resistant to insulin. But also insulin causes you to deposit fat. And so it's that bad combination of both of that, which are clearly harmful to the body, and perhaps some exposure to some degree of less or famine is actually a good thing for us. So some degree of fasting is, is probably good for the metabolic health of the body. Uh, one of the other things that we see a huge surge in in January is, is how busy the, the gyms are. I mean, I, I genuinely believe I've only ever been in good shape once in my entire life. And it's no coincidence it's when I was single because I, I hoped, prayed and believed that a stranger might see me naked. <laughs> but the benefits of exercise, we know those. I, I won't kind of waste your time, Neil, by asking you about the benefits of exercise. But an interesting thing that we've touched on before is that you can overdo it. Yeah. And I think that the gym bunnies and, and it's, it's such a way, you know, through social media, some people's entire Instagram feeds are, are them working out in the gym. You can go too far with it. It's not always you know, too much of a good thing, as it were. So absolutely. I mean, I still believe, as we've said before, diet is the first step. And either some way of you know, intermittent fasting or lower amounts of carbohydrate and sugar in your diet is beneficial in terms of your weight profile. Mm -hmm. Exercise is very important, but losing weight through exercise alone is really hard to do. Diet is the key. Now, I'm a big fan of telling my patients that I think it's really important to exercise for your heart's health, for your blood vessels to stop them being calcified, for your blood pressure, for your mental health too. But I tend to tell them to do moderate exercise. So a little bit of walking to a strenuous degree that you're kind of puffing a bit or you're going up a hill or some gentle jogging and do that, I don't know, 30 to 40 minutes, three to four times a week, if you can, a bit more. There are some people who get a huge kick out of going to the gym and really racing their heart rate and really, you know, trying to become that perfect Instagram sensation of low fat and, you know, extremely lean. That's yeah, great I've been them. that, Neil, and trust me, kids, it's not always cracked up to me. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And that's great for them. I think that's, that's fine if you enjoy that, if that's something that gives you a buzz and you're somebody who really enjoys the endorphin thrill from that. Yeah. I don't think you're gaining huge amounts metabolically in terms of your body health long-term, cutting risk of stroke or heart attacks from being that sort of person. Okay. And there can be a degree where you overexercise, things like where you train for Ironman's long, long endurance exercises. Those kind of things can, in some people, cause damage to your heart and also can, in the long term, result in harm in terms of causing abnormal heart rhythms, those kind of things. You see it in a lot of you know, elite cyclists, for instance, when they get to their 60s or 70s, they often end up with the kind of heart rhythms that I deal with because of lifelong strain on the heart, which is probably not what the body was designed to do. Whereas I think the assumption is if you spend your life cycling, as you're going to have a, a hopefully a healthy kind of existence into your, your later, later years. Mm -hmm. But actually, that's not, that's not the case. But I don't think that's necessarily mm. the case. Yeah. Mm. And I think everything with moderation and also you know, eating in a, in a healthy manner is, is crucial. Um, not just about you know, controlling the amount of glucose and carbohydrate in your diet so that you don't become you know, too insulin dependent in that sense or insulin oversensitive um, or undersensitive, I suppose is the correct term, but also in terms of making sure that 
the only diet that ever showed any benefit in terms of you know making people live longer was the Mediterranean diet. That's oh. the only study Again, ever. Again, I thought that might and be a, an urban myth. So that's, a, that's the only ever study that right. ever showed any benefit. And the Mediterranean diet is really fascinating. Their, their carbohydrate amounts that they have is actually quite low. They eat lots of fruit, lots of vegetables with their meals. They have a lot of meat with their meals, but not much red meat. And it tends to be fresh fish. So lots of oily fish. And they eat, you know, huge platefuls of oily fish three, four times a week, more than we're ever exposed to with tons of olive oil. And that's clearly beneficial to your body and, and, and your heart's health and your vascular health. I, I must ask, are doctors, our nurses, our medical professionals generally healthier people than those who aren't? From the outside looking in, I presume because of the hours that you guys have to do, you're going to be grabbing some fast food. You're going to be, it's not always, you might be looking looking other, after other people's health. It's difficult to remain healthy yourself. Is that is that the case? I think you're absolutely right. But also... And that's part of the reason we've talked about doing this podcast is to humanize the whole process. You get a huge spectrum of people in medicine and nursing and, you know, healthcare, just as you do in, you know, normal society. We're no different to anybody else. And you get this wide spectrum of people. If you go to a major bank where they're working really hard in terms of, you know, long hours, stockbroking, etc., you'll get some people who get up at three in the morning and jog and exercise and their chiseled body. And you'll get some people who are more akin to me who might be, you know, go to takeaway or gets a pizza on the way back home, those kind of things. In general, long hours, shift working, time away from home and the abundance of chocolate on the ward tends to be <laughs> a, a bad mix in terms of yeah. health in the medical profession. It is really hard to you know, keep in shape or maintain that discipline. I find it really hard. So Neil, give me a breakdown of the benefits of giving up alcohol on your body. So yeah, to sum things up, you can make a huge difference as, as we've talked about, even if you quit for a month. Within the first week, particularly of stopping alcohol, especially after the festive period with lots of indulgence, the sleep pattern improves. You're obviously consuming less calories because alcohol is you know, high in sugar content. In week two, your stomach lining starts to repair. You reduce the amount of acid reflux that you might experience. And by week three, your blood pressure will start to normalize. And not to mention that there's the huge savings in terms of finance and things in terms of spends of alcohol. So a really good thing and positive thing to do for January. In conclusion, how healthy can you get in a month? I think the key is that making that effort and you can make a huge difference to your metabolic you know, risk factors within that one month. The long-term effects are down to you and how you can stick with that. And my advice to people are, accept that we'll go through phases where we'll succeed and fail and to work on something that works for you and works within your body. Because people know their body better than any fad or set diet. It's about working out what's right for you and setting achievable goals. And not that I'm in any place to add this in, but I will. In my experience of this kind of self-improvement once you get underway it feels great and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because as soon as you get that first week or so under your belt if you've not done it people start to notice a difference you start to notice a difference and it just drives you and motivates you on and it's a really great thing to do it feels it feels fantastic absolutely 
Uh, now, The Doctor Next Door is not just about Dr. Neil and me. Oh no, we want you to be part of the neighbourhood as we build this podcast from scratch. Whether you're a doctor, nurse, or maybe even a brain surgeon, or perhaps you're just curious, like I am, we want you to be part of these conversations. So email us, it's doctor at nextdoorpod.com, or you can find us on the socials, docnextdoorpod. And that's it for this episode of the podcast. Thank you very much indeed, Dr. Neil Strini-Vesson. Always good to see you. Thanks for the chalky biscuits. Thanks for the tea. (laughs) Next time, I will have another burning question. We'll be chatting more about the stories from our street. And of course, we'd love to have your stories involved too. Please rate, review and subscribe from wherever you usually get your podcasts. And if you do know a doctor, nurse or medical professional who you think might like what you've just heard, then why not let them know? Now, all of you, get out of my house. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.